Hey, this is Uppity Women, and I'm Stephanie Harris. Today, we're talking to Annabeth Gorman, who is the executive director of the Women's Foundation of Arkansas, and they are doing some really cool stuff. Some of the research they've done over the last four or five years includes economic indicators for women in Arkansas, changing the story, a blueprint for change, women's social and economic status in Arkansas, examining the future plans of Arkansas high school girls, a then and now report on the status of women in Arkansas that's looking at 1973 versus 2013, the impact of teen pregnancy and birth on education in Arkansas, the economics of educating women in the state, and perceptions of the status of women in Arkansas. They're all really interesting reports and have a lot of good information about our culture, how we think about women, our actual status, economic, education, healthcare, all of those things. So I definitely recommend you go to their website and check it out, womensfoundationarkansas.org. But in the meantime, just sit back and relax or go on your run or do your dishes, clean, whatever you do while you listen to podcasts and check out this conversation with Anna Beth. You know, we started the conversation talking about my struggles with what to do with Women Lead Arkansas, and I decided to leave it in just because why not? I mean, you know, there's I've got nothing to hide, and it's something I think about a lot, trying to figure out what our purpose is in the state and what we're going to do moving forward, if anything. So we'll see. But if you have any ideas, let us know. Send us an email. Otherwise, enjoy this episode. All righty. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm good. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to decide what to do with my life. Well, yeah. So, so tell me, what, what are, what are some of the things you're thinking about? Well, um, I have been trying to get someone to take over women laid for, I don't know, a few years now because I just don't have the time to do it. And I never wanted to be the, the ED. Also, our thing was, was doing those campaign trainings and now, you know, Vote Run Lead is doing a training that Progressive Arkansas Women have done some, and Emerge Arkansas is, is now in Arkansas, which is great. I'm not, I'm very happy about all of these things, but it kind of eliminates the, the need for us to do them. And so I was trying to figure out, well, if that void's getting filled, then what can we do and do we need to exist? And I still think that there's a role for Women Lead, even in politics. I mean, there, you know, there are things that we can still do, but so I don't know. I've just been trying to figure out what to do and decide whether or not women lead is even necessary. But I hate to give it up at the same time because, well, you know, from the foundation, I mean, it's nice to be part of that community. Absolutely. And again, it's the landscape has, I mean, just and what you've been working on for years has just changed so rapidly yeah. in a very short amount of time. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I would say as you look at all these, what is happening, you know, is is it something that y'all are doing that's a little bit different than all of them? Is there is there any natural natural alignment with one like doing work that you should start discussions with and joining capacities could be bigger things? I mean, those are some of the things that I'd be thinking about, I guess. Yeah, you know, our mission is to empower women and girls to engage in politics, policy, leadership. That covers a lot. And I feel like, and we'll talk about this, but I you know, I feel like you guys are really sort of working in the the work sphere of our lives. My I don't know if I want to say it's my goal in life, but what I would really like to see is women coming together from different perspectives and backgrounds and beliefs and 
politics and all of that and identifying problems and needs in the state and then working together to find solutions to implement. So I definitely think that we could do something along those lines, whether that's training on collaboration. I, you know, I'm not really sure. I haven't, I haven't thought it through all the way. But, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't meet a lot of people who are interested in talking to, quote, the other side. Mm. So maybe I've just answered my own question. Maybe th- that is the need and that I need to develop those relationships and find those people because I know they're out there. But, you know, I'll be honest, it has been challenging from the beginning to get more conservative women on board. And I can't, there are so many women who are engaged with Women Lead who just cannot understand why conservative women, they feel like conservative women are basically oppressing their own freedoms and choices. But I think that's something that we need to talk about. Yeah, I do too. Representation matters. I mean, the fact that we've got 32 women at the state house right now, which is um, tied to the all-time high, you know, that was set in 2009. You know, that's actually it was it was 31 in 09. So it's it's a new record. So 32 the state house. That is a good measure of progress for the state of Arkansas. And Mm -hmm. of course, you know, I know that that they're aligned more on the one side of the aisle than the other. However, they're women, you know, and Mm -hmm. and women um, think about things differently than men do. The way that we collaborate is different. So I choose to kind of be an optimist about what that means to the state of Arkansas. And, And to your point, you know, look for opportunities to bring to bring folks together about mm-hmm. about things, you know, not not what we're what not what is definitely makes us different on on the sides of the aisle. But what are things that we kind of agree on, you know, right. that are good for the state, that's good for families, good for women and children and try yep. to start some conversations and just very slowly try to get people together around those topics. Well, and that's actually kind of what I want to do with this podcast. I want to have that, that very conversation and get people on, you know, from, from the spectrum, from all over the spectrum and just start to talk about it. Now, I anticipate it's not really active right now, Women Lead, so I don't have an active board at the moment. We're just not really doing anything. I predict that there are going to be some things that I want to talk about on this podcast that the board will be uncomfortable with. So another thing I've thought about is if I pass off Women Lead Arkansas to someone else or if I dissolve it, I'll keep this podcast because I want to have these conversations. And I do think that we maybe talk about it among ourselves, but we aren't doing it publicly. And I think until we do talk publicly, we're just never going to get there. It's almost like I am not opposed to politically correct ways of talking because I, I do think that we can hurt each other with our words. But at the same time, I think it can be taken too far because it eliminates the opportunities to have public conversations about racism, sexism, you know, whatever it is that we're trying to, to fix. And so I think basically it's just kind of done more to shove things under the carpet. Well, I say that until Trump was elected and um, that's brought a whole lot out. But, you know, so I want to have the hard conversations. And I'm also not afraid to put myself out there as someone who's trying to learn to, let's say, to be woke. Right. I mean, so I feel comfortable enough admitting my own biases or problems as a way to learn, um, if that makes sense. So so this might have to not be part of Women Lead because I don't know. Anyway, in the meantime, we, we should stop talking about me. But that one, another of the many goals I have with this is to feature people like you and organizations like yours, like Women's Foundation, and just really showcase what you're doing and how you're trying to make you know positive impact in the state. You know, it's not just for women, and I'm sure that you'll agree with this. It really helps everyone. Absolutely. It helps everyone when women are paid the same as men for the same work. Sure. Yes, I, I remember 
so clearly, you know, when I first started, there were people that I sat down with and I was trying to, I was trying to consume as much information as possible about the landscape of, of what was going on in Arkansas for women and girls, the role that we would play. I remember you and I sitting down at the Clinton School, and I, I think it was right after the, the wrap-up of the changing the story. I think I was, I'd been hired. I don't even think I'd started yet, Stephanie, but... I think that's right. You and I sat down after kind of the, the workshop that I just attended, and we visited a little bit and, you know, talked about some things. And from where I was sitting, I was like, I, I was really in the absorption mode, you know, trying to absorb and... Fast forward probably six, seven months as we were trying to wrap up that that actual project and that piece. All the while, I was probably the same place you were thinking, like, what is the role of the Women's Foundation and where can we be most impactful? How do we get there? Because mm-hmm. we're, we're great at convening and we're great at getting, getting people kind of excited about things, but you know, where was our take action piece? Yes. And... And really, you know, we we have a board, and at that point, the organization's board um, was much smaller, was really kind of the role of the board and the role of the executive director. They weren't supporting each other when it came to who are we and what are we going to do. Each was looking at the other to set the vision, set the direction, Mm -hmm. you know. So we've really come a long way in almost three years, but we had to evaluate what we're doing and how can we be an effective tool in the state of Arkansas. So, and I, you know, had to look at what thing people were doing, and and you know, and we needed to do something different. You know, we needed we needed to find a niche that really could define us and that we could build our capacity around that niche. So as the last several years have kind of moved forward, you know, the thing that someone else told me was that we've been really good at for years, you know, focusing on advancing girls and their interest in STEM education and STEM careers. Mm-hmm. You know, Girls of Promise, everybody knows about Girls of Promise. A lot of people liked the research that we would produce. And every now and then we were able to give out some small, tiny grants. But and we had supporters kind of in each of those buckets, but each of those buckets were really strapping our capacity, and we weren't as um, a public foundation in a position like a private foundation to do really meaningful, impactful strategic work in any one of those arenas because we were spread so thin. Right. So when I sat down with the board early on, you know, it was a charge to me, like, are we going to continue to do all three of those things? If so, how are we going to build capacity around it? Are we just going to focus on one of those? You know, and if we do that, the danger is that we're going to lose supporters. If we're not focusing on STEM education for young girls, we're not producing research, but we're not giving out grants, then we're not even a foundation. And I kind of looked at it and like, okay, so but why are we here? And what do we say that we really care about? And I think back to changing the story and that workshop and the piece that was created, it was, you know, it was a blueprint for a call to action, right? That's what it, that's what it was designed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, every piece of that project, in some way, you could tie back to women's status in the economy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about our health and well-being, you know, 
women's access to health care at the end of the day is, is a financial issue. Women and government, women in politics, I mean, not only is a decision, am I the right person to run, it's a monetary decision. That's right. Women in the economy, you know, the pay us for equal work. I mean, all of these things, and, and, and to me, the foundation didn't even know it, but they had already set their course and kind of tied their hat to this when it came to talking about girls in STEM. STEM education and STEM careers are pathways to better paying jobs. Mm-hmm. So I put it to the board, what I think that we say what we really care about and the niche that we want to carve out is equity in the economy for women and girls. As far as economics, I believe all our problems boil down to economics. And I don't mean just throwing money at things. I mean, if you live in poverty, you're not going to get the same education as someone who lives in Hillcrest. You are not going to have access to even clothes to interview in or people who will teach you to use a firm handshake. Economics affects everything. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit more about that. Get into that just a little bit more about how your or the foundation is approaching this as an issue to tackle, I guess. So in your thought on, it is so broad that it allows us, you know, the opportunity to explore a lot of different facets in that. I think about um, different nonprofits that exist, for example, the Hunger Relief Alliance, food insecurity. Why are people food insecure? It's because they they don't have the money to afford the food. They can't, they don't have transportation to get to a grocery store. They live in a neighborhood, they live in a food desert. And all of these things are tied back to the economy. Unfortunately, women in domestic violence situations, you know, one of the reasons why women in the situation is they don't have the, the economic option to leave. So where do we start? Where does the foundation start? And in the last couple of years, we've slowed down programs that we're doing, and we've been investing in our own education on economic equity for women. And we as a foundation set out to look at what are the economic indicators of wealth. And I try to be real clear, like wealth does not mean, you know, that you've got a yacht in your backyard. Wealth is that you've got the very basic needs in life to sustain yourself and sustain your family and their future. That's a a roof over your head. That's transportation, access to healthcare, education, access to education. And so, The board has has been supportive of that. We've gone on um, trips around the country, meeting with other foundations that are doing gendered economic equity work, attending conferences, participating in in national cohorts, and just quietly trying to understand what can we bring back to Arkansas and scale? What, What is it that we possibly could do? So last year, two things happened for us. We received a grant for the first time in years that we've been producing research. We've been so fortunate that we've had volunteers that have come together, people that are experts in in the arenas that they're in. But what we've not been able to do is to actually commission a report and pull data and data sets that could live in perpetuity that we could go back and look at have we Have we made any advancement on that indicator or that statistic? So we were able to commission the University of Arkansas Economic Development Institute to produce data sets for us 
about the economic indicators for women across the state by region, by county, and where we could, can we put a race lens on that? Because mm -hmm. we also recognize the intersection of race and gender means a lot when it comes to your economic, economic circumstance. Mm -hmm. You know, where you live matters, the color of your skin matters. Those are, those are, in, those are additional layers to the larger challenges of economic security. So yeah. that came out in March of 2018, and we, and we had a short timeline for that to push that out. But what it did for us and, and what we wanted it to be was a tool that we could share with stakeholders and that are doing work already um, around the state in these various areas. But we also hope that it would be a guide to us as a foundation. Here's where we start our work. Here's where we start to focus. As we're talking, the, the legislature is in session. Are you engaged with that process? Has anyone asked you or have you kind of injected yourself into any of the discussions that might be impacting women in economics? Well, you should ask because, again, um, you know, our board has always been leery of us getting into a political arena where, you know, it becomes we are we're trying to, to sway anyone one way or the other. But armed with the research that we produced last year, we are, for the first time, in a much better position to truly be a resource advocate for women's economic indicators. And a year ago, we were a part of a group of philanthropic foundations that went to Washington, D.C. and put in front of our congressional delegation all of our research. And How did that this go? Year, we have a intern working with us on our public policy kind of agenda, which really, again, goes back to being a resource. And so next week, we're going to host a breakfast for all of the female legislators. And our one goal is to introduce them to us and to share the research that exists about economic indicators for women in Arkansas. That's great. So how did it go in D.C.? Yeah, did you, did really you have well a goal in mind? Or was it just more of an introduction? This is, again, the first time that we had been invited to be part of a, a state delegation and, and get to go into every congressional office. And, and, you know, and some you're actually right in front of that senator or representative and some you're in front of their staffers. But, hey, their staffers are influencers. Their staffers mm -hmm. are, you know, putting things in front of their bosses, right? So mm -hmm. it was really nice because I felt of, of who was represented in the room, we had the most meat for them substance from them because like this is about your constituents. You know, this report is pulled from American Community Survey data. This is showing you how people are actually living and what their challenges are. It's available to you to use as a resource as you're as you're looking at developing your own policies. Please do use this. And we had we had really tremendous response from each of the offices and, and the staffers. So we were really proud. We were really proud that we got to be at that at that table and and again, it, I think, gave us the encouragement and confidence to ensure that we're doing the same thing here at the State House. Good. I am looking at the report right now, and I'll link to this, too, in the show notes. What are just a couple of the takeaways or maybe even things that surprised you or things that didn't? We kind of knew, you know, women's overall educational status, right? We understood, you know, and we've been for years touting the fact that women's um, college attainment level hovers around 
20%. I think the report is maybe up to 21 or 22%. The reality is, is men in Arkansas aren't, are only, um, I think maybe are just a little bit higher. But the difference between females' ability and a male's ability to get good paying jobs without that college degree is very different. But when you looked at education, one of the indicators in there was high school education attainment. And we've got counties in Arkansas where 30% of the female population doesn't have a high school degree. Wow. Now, that should be something that county should be very concerned about. Right. If you want to talk about economic growth, and again, if that's the status of women, men probably aren't further off, but you're not going to have economic growth for that for that geographic area if you're not addressing that. Yeah, and people don't think of this. I mean, we, we tend to look at kind of these individual numbers, but these are actually generational numbers. Because right? when you've got 30% of your county who isn't graduating from high school or doesn't have that education, that affects their generation and surely their kids' generation. It ha- absolutely does. And that was in southwest Arkansas, that one particular county I'm, I'm talking about. Um, I believe Sevier County is the mm-hmm. county with the highest, um, I mean, unfortunately, the highest low high school graduation rate for women. So, But another interesting thing from that that just kind of, was just an aha for that foundation was when you look at female business ownership and where we see the highest concentration of women-owned businesses is along counties in the Arkansas Delta. Well, Mm -hmm. what we also know about the Arkansas Delta, that's one of the most economically depressed parts of our state. However, you've got some counties where you see huge populations of female business ownership. So what that's telling us is that whatever it is that these women are doing, it is not translating into a vehicle for economic mobility. What they're doing is just putting, maybe putting food on the table and maybe paying a light bill. But it's not, to your point, it's not generationally impacting their family or their community because we have, we have still have these huge issues in the Arkansas Delta. But we see that as an opportunity. It's like, now, that's potentially a population of women that we can strategically work with. And in that same slide, for that same page in our report, rather, not only do we see where we see the highest concentration of business ownership by women, we see that in every racial ethnic category, men outpace women except for one. Black women own 60% of businesses compared to black men. Hmm. So when you put that intersectionality of race and gender on business ownership, we have an opportunity as a foundation to potentially make a significant impact. If we are able to bring together resources, partners, stakeholders, and to work with women in this very specific demographic and this specific part of our state, maybe we can change their story. I don't know how to ask this question because I I don't I get overwhelmed by these these issues. But what I'm what I'm thinking of is all of the history of the Delta. Let's just use the Delta, the history of the Delta, and all of the negative impacts on the people there today. What what I guess I'm asking is, God, how do you fix all that? I mean, it, because you're talking about probably trauma, poverty, slavery violence i mean just all of the all of the things that kind of have happened historically and how do you shift the tide 
into something more positive and productive? I, I really don't know what I'm trying to ask you. Do you have any idea? Well, and so I think what you're saying is that there are layers upon layers of why of why the Arkansas Delta is in its current state. Right. And you you have to understand that context. You cannot just go in there, Pollyanna, I can fix this. No. Mm-hmm. You have to have a deep understanding and appreciation for the historical context of the systems that have been put in place that are intentional barriers to economic mobility for people living in this area. So our strategy is to be very mindful of that, to not make assumptions about what's going on, how we can Mm -hmm. fix it, but it's to really create a collaborative model where we're taking into account the historical context, but also looking at opportunities because of what what we're what is organically happening. You know, a few things that we're able to do right now is to start creating and building awareness about the status of black women in business. And uh, we as a foundation, you know, raise money to give out grants and we started looking around the state for who is working in this this space, you know, specifically um, female entrepreneurship, assisting female business owners. And we do have some resources that exist, but we kind of started asking, like, can we, you know, we'd love to give someone some a little bit of money if someone would start really talking about this. So Local First Arkansas is a, a small nonprofit based out of central Arkansas, and they're going to host a panel discussion the end of this month, February 28th, at the Innovation Hub about black women in business. And the audience focus is black women entrepreneurs. And there's going to be a panel of, I would say, um, practitioners. Either they are a business owner or they're in the entrepreneurship support space or working for state government and and helping women get um, business designations. You know, they're going to have an evening panel and they're going to talk about Black women business, and so it's got it's generated a lot of interest. And, and our role was to feed money to the organization for this panel and to, to help them, you know, facilitate it. So we're really excited about that. It's got again a lot of a lot of people interested, and so that's going to happen in this month. But next month, um, we produce our report and have again been trying to take it around the state, getting in front of as many people as possible. And we attended a, a health and wealth symposium um, in the fall of last year and ran into the Federal Reserve Bank out of St. Louis. They were there attending the Health and Wealth Summit for, you know, Arkansas. We talked to them about, I'd seen that they had, they had done um, a program in St. Louis specifically about black women business owners. And I told them about our research and that we were really interested in, in this topic and we wanted to understand more the circumstance, um, the women that are in that are, are struggling to be business owners. What does that look like? What does that mean? So we are partnering with the Lander Smith College, Social Justice Institute, the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, Southern Bank Corp Community Partners. Arkansas Asset Funders Network, the Windsor Rockefeller Foundation, 
the Arkansas Women's Business Center and Urban League to bring the Federal Reserve to town the, at the 1st of March. And we're going to do not just a panel, but a really a half a day program about business ownership and economic mobility, banking on Arkansas's black women. I'm so proud that slowly, you know, we're a part of building stakeholder support, building awareness around this topic. And, and I'm hopeful by the end of the year and, and the first part of next year that we'll have some sort of a, a strategy in place where we're, we're taking action, we're doing something on the ground. But we, need, we still need that education piece back to the historical and cultural context mm-hmm. of women living and working in the Delta, you know, to be effective. And, and, and I think that it, it's just going to take time, you know, to, for us to build up that institutional knowledge and capacity. I cannot tell you how excited I am about this March event. Will that be open to the public? Um, it will be. Well, this is so exciting. Okay, so let me, I'm going to back up for just a second. I know that when I first became involved or got to know the foundation, I do feel like there was this kind of tension about what its role was. And foundations, it's my understanding that foundations typically don't do programming. I was always a little bit confused about what exactly the foundation was. was. How do you describe the Women's Foundation when you're introducing it to people? We do, we do three things. We, we serve as a grant maker, a convener, and a research advocacy arm. And under the banner of, of granting, you know, we, we raise funds to invest back in girls and women. Um, and we've got a long history of doing that in STEM initiatives for, for girls. Um, we're now looking to expand that for economic security issues for women. As a convener, we look for opportunities to have collaborations with be it volunteers or other stakeholders to put together programs and events that um, raise awareness. You know, however, we are careful that we're not we're not the lead in that unless it's out of necessity that nobody else is doing it. But we've used our grant making arm now to again seed money to local first to host this panel. And the program in March it's got some. It's got the Federal Reserve and Philander Smith. I mean, really, you know, hosting the space and hosting the content. You know, and, and we were. I mean, the concept behind it, and and really the invitation to get all these people together. So we're learning as a foundation how we be a stronger convener without necessarily being a direct program provider. And then finally, on the research advocacy, it's. How do we leverage the reports that we produce to make sure that they get in front of people who are going to use them to make informed decisions? Well, I have to say I've been so impressed with what you've been doing. I mean, just you personally, I really think that you are, I know you are a team, it takes a village, but I don't know. I, I just have been really impressed with what you've been able to do over the last few years. And I, I hope you're proud of yourself. I am. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of our state. I, you know, I, I, I am, I am an optimist. I feel like, you know, we are, coming together um, to make strides and how do you tackle sensitive topics and, and things that seem to be polarizing? Well, if you can find root <laughs> root issues inside those things that really motivate a lot of people, start chipping away at that. And what do you know? You might be tackling a larger issue. So, mm-hmm. Well, congratulations so Thank you. To I you. appreciate that. I want to get into your story a little bit. 
just you personally, you were with Girl Scouts before the Women's Foundation. And I guess I'm curious about your background and why this women are what I'm assuming is a passion for you and improving our status in the world. Yes, I spent um, prior to this position, you know, my I cut my teeth um, in the Girl Scout professional organization, and it afforded me the opportunity to go around our entire state and meet with communities of women all over. And in doing that, it, it educated me, it humbled me. You know, for years I I had you know I wanted to be a um, a mover and a shaker, but really didn't have the appreciation for the circumstance of other individuals. I'm still learning, you know, developing my own empathy and understanding and appreciation for other people's stories, right? Mm -hmm. But in doing that, you know, I I started picking up on the challenges that were particular to women on on where they lived and where they were coming from. Early on, um, one of the things I was I was attempting to do the Girl Scouts was tell people that we were a leadership organization, that we were promoting girls' leadership development. I remember one night I was in a room full of volunteers, so that's, you know, parents of Girl Scouts, um, and they told me very pointedly, like, our daughters don't want to be leaders. We don't, you know, that's that's not what they want. I sat there for the rest of the meeting and, and really listened, and it occurred to me that moment that it was not necessarily that their daughter had come to like, I don't want to be a leader, mom or dad. It's that those parents had, they had trouble with the words and terminology that I was using. Because no one ever had talked to them about developing their own leadership potential. And so it, really they were kind of projecting their own, I guess, uh, lack of knowledge or insecurities. Absolutely. And, and that personally touched me because I was raised by a single mom who told me that I could be anything do anything. I could strike out on my own. I should strike out on my own. And when that started happening, our relationship at a certain point deteriorated. And it was years for me to understand why. And it was because she wanted me to be strong, independent, but that was not story and journey she had. And at a certain point, she was very uncomfortable and nervous for me. Hmm. She told me I could, you know, get this, get a great education, and I and I shocked her one day. I was like, I think I want to go to a a women's college on the East Coast, and she said, Well, <laughs> you can't do that. You need to go to a, you know, a, a state school and in, in in this very specific Southern geographic area. I came to understand that that was so hard for her to con- conceptualize me outside of this box that she had known. Right. That is so interesting. Living where we live at a time where it is now, like, I, I don't think people are as against advancing women and girls. I think that it's the struggle of the unknown because that hasn't happened before. Yeah, I'm, I'm now privileged to be in a position where I get to meet with incredible women that are doing great things. And, and you know, you the commonality among those women is that they were trailblazers. They were, they didn't have someone to help them figure out their path, but now they're, they're kind of reaching back and helping other women find that. And so many women are, we're jumping in that path, right? We're jumping in the path that was blazed by these women. And, and it's, 
And there's sometimes there's a little kickback that we don't have an appreciation for that story, for those struggles. Right. But it there's still a lot of, I think, um, difficulty amongst generations, among men and women, among women to under, understand that, to understand the context of how hard that was, you mm-hmm. know, for, for women that were complete outliers and doing it by themselves. And, and so right now, I think it's a great time to be a young woman. I hope that we're doing our job on, on educating them about, you know, the history of, of that journey. I think our leaders, be it public, you know, public, um, public officials in business, you know, are recognizing this new blended society. I mean, it's just, it's here. You can't avoid it, but are, are appreciating the context in, in which young women and, and, you know, Young women minorities are are in this field now, and we've got a lot to do to reconcile some of the the challenges that still exist. Yeah, and uh, well, did you go to Wellesley? No, to Hollins, Hollins, Hollins. in Roanoke, Virginia. So that's a, a private all female all woman school, private okay. women's college. Mm-hmm. As a transplant to the South, one thing that strikes me is that women are still I mean, we're in Little Rock. It's fairly progressive in the in the context of what we're discussing right now. However, I still run into a lot of situations where women do have their place and they're supposed to be married and have kids and be the soccer mom and probably work, but it's okay to be a stay-at-home mom. And I still think that we are struggling against a culture that is not conducive to, I'm going to call it women's empowerment, but really it's just living life in a way that's fulfilling to us. And I was, um, we partner with the Center for American Women in Politics in New Jersey. And I was up there for an event and they had all these female legislators. And I asked one of them, I said, well, well, what do you say when people ask you when you're on the campaign trail and people ask you who's watching your kids? And she said, you mean voters? (laughs) I said, yes. And she said, well, no one ever asked me that. Now, there's a different culture. There's a nanny culture in the Northeast. I mean, it's, you know, it's different. People are expected to work. It's also extremely expensive to live there. So I get that it's a different place, but I will tell you another anecdote. And that's when I was getting divorced, I was at uh, an event and I ran into these women and they said, um, you know, where's your husband? I said, well, we're separate. We're getting divorced. And they said, oh, don't worry. You'll find another husband. You know, and it's just like, oh, I I tend to push back on the culture at large. And so while, yes, it's happening, but I still feel like that there is this tremendous pressure on women to be all that they can be. And that is according to what this Southern society tells us we are supposed to be. Is that something you grapple with in your work? Or am I just projecting now on my feelings? Women are very nature. It is, I mean, it's to be successful at every aspect of life, to overachieve, and it's crippling us. I'm married, and and my husband and I are actually expecting our first baby together. (gasps) Congratulations! Thank you. And and I'm not, I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Like, I I look at women now, I'm like, so, yeah, tell me about, you know, (laughs) your child care situation. I don't say how you're taking care of your kids. I say, like, tell me about your, I am constantly trying to figure out how families do it, you know, yeah. um, especially working families and two um, in a household where you've got two working parents and 
I'm curious. I'm I'm scared. I'm like, am I going to do it wrong? You know, because mm-hmm. you want to, you know, you want to feel like you're successful at everything, right? It's funny, you know, talking about Southern women, and I really feel like I I am I am trying to get more comfortable with the concept of being a Southern feminist. What that mm-hmm. means. No, I love my family. I love my husband. I, I, I wish I could be my grandmother. I wish I could be my 91-year-old grandmother that raised five kids, provided a hot meal every day, was everything for my grandfather that she needed to be. And she worked. She actually went back to work after her last kid. And I, I look at her and I, I'm like, I don't know how she did it. I think we've, we've got to start really acknowledging that we all as women need a lot more grace and how we're managing that balance. Um, I really talk to women a lot, and I just was visiting with some young women, some undergrads at Arkansas State University, and they were talking about, you know, this concept of work-life balance. And and someone had sent me a podcast a couple years back about the idea of a work-life balance is so bad for women because a balance is a seesaw act, right? So something up is something's down. No, yep. be where you need to be in life. You need to be thinking, or your mindset needs to be more like a work-life fit. How am I fitting it all in? Mm. You know, and sometimes there's there's going to have to be adjustments. You're going to have to make adjustments based on whatever that season is in your life. So in a few short months, about to have a baby, and and so that will be a new fit for me. <laughs> and I I will you know work on that fit. But it's, you know, I'm not striving for balance because that is the concept of that is kind of unattainable. Uh, what right. I'm striving for is, is a fit where I'm providing this, this child with what it needs. And I'm also being the best version of myself so that my child has a great example. Yeah. Is this something you discuss with your husband? Oh, absolutely. I sat down to my husband. <laughs> I'm, I recently made him watch the um, the RBG documentary. Yes. And I'm very proud that my husband like got teary-eyed in the middle of it, just to understand oh. the historical context yeah. of how hard and how far women have come and how struggle it was. So, you know, very, but yeah, we, and I talk about it a lot now, you know, and and I, I have to be better acknowledging about, acknowledging what my limitations are and I think that it's healthy, and again, we right now live in a time where we're able to have those conversations where that was difficult for my mother, that was difficult for my grandmother, that's that's been difficult for other generations of women, and I'm glad that it's changing. I agree. I agree. And and I, I think, too, well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I don't have kids. Um, I have lots of nieces and nephews, and I have lots of projects and work, but I struggle to ask my husband to help me. You know, I need help. Can you do the dishes? Can you clean the apartment? Can you, you know, whatever it is. And I have a feminist fist tattooed on my arm. So if it's hard for me, I would imagine it's also hard for a lot of other women. And, and I do think that that's something we have to overcome because I feel guilty because I do like to take care of people. I mean, I think we cannot change our biology and our, and our, our desire to nurture and take care of people. But at the same time, we're not taking care of ourselves. So you know, and that's going back to the beginning of our conversation. I'm, I'm, when I say I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life, I'm trying to figure out what I need to cut out because I am not happy. I'm doing too much and I'm not enjoying enough. You know, I, whew, I could go on and on in this conversation. You know, everyone is on their own journey. 
I don't think there's one right way to do things. And I would never presume to tell another woman how she should be living her life. And I expect the same respect. (laughs) And, you know, but I want to make sure that for the people like us who may want to go to college or may want to have a job, but also raise a family, you know, I want to make sure that that you and the foundation and people like me, that we support each other in those efforts and, and create a culture and an economic kind of foundation to allow people to have those choices. And anyway, I guess I'll stop there. I, I just, this is a really, it's an important conversation and I'm glad that you have it with your husband and I'm going to check in with you in a year and see how it's going. But I like, <laughs> I like the way you frame it. And I just think it's a big challenge. It, it, is. We can, yeah, it is. We can't do it all. We can't, but you know, we can, we can rely on others. We have to communicate. We have, like you said, we have to communicate that and, I'm not uh, fantastic at it, but I'm working on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) That's all we can do. But I will say, um, you know, you're probably more uh, optimistic than I am in expression anyway, but uh, I am glad that I think men are coming around. And I think that they understand that the sort of changing dynamic about our roles and our relationships is good for everyone. And it's not oppressive for them. It's not going to mean they're miserable and we're happy. I think it really, when you do talk about balance, I do think that there is some sort of balance or give and take um, in relationships where everyone can be happy and have a fulfilling life. And I think that men are really realizing that and embracing it. So I'm going to stop talking. I know this is, I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but before we wrap up, can you tell us how people can get involved? Uh, are there ways that they can help the foundation further its mission, get some shit done, all of that stuff? So a big help that we need is for people to continue to follow us on, on, on social media, like our page, sign up for our newsletters. Because when we, we need people, like when we need volunteers, we'll put the call to action out on those different channels. And you can also stay up to date on collaborations and convenings that we're partnering with. Also, if we have need, again, we're a public foundation, so we rely on the support of the public to help us do our work. So that's absolutely a way to support us. But, but again, we, we are, we're trying to raise awareness, so um, sharing what we're doing, sharing our work, sharing our research um, is, is very important. And this year, we hope to continue to produce some tools, and we need champions of the tools that we produce. Do you have a timeline on the publishing the tools? Late last fall, we produced a gender equity scorecard, and that was a tool for businesses based in Arkansas to do self-assessments oh. on how they're how they're um, promoting equity, gender equity in the workplace. And so we still need businesses to participate in that initiative, and that will be happening all year. I can tease this a little bit. We're there in the early stages of creating a, a tool to help women save money. Um, oh. So we're in the early, very early just conversation stages about that. And I'm hopeful that uh, there will be some big things around that later in the year. Um, Our research, we want to get that in front of people. And then again, bringing things to our attention that we need to to have um, a a pulse on. That's always helpful. Yeah. So do you, how, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you or the foundation? So our, our website is womensfoundationarkansas.org, and we also have Women's Foundation Arkansas on Facebook and Girls of Promise is on Facebook. Okay. And each of those has its own Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, but, you know, contact us here at the office. But, again, checking out, following us on social media. I think we're, we're doing a better job on 
on putting stuff out there in social media. Great. Uh, well, I will definitely link to all that. And um, I forgot that I meant to ask you about that scorecard. So here's something I would like for you to think about, if you would. If you um, come across businesses who are using that scorecard and discovering that maybe things aren't equitable, but they're implementing changes, let me talk to them. You know, see if they'll talk to me and, and we can start just kind of having that conversation with people who are actually using it. Sure. And we've got... We had, we released that very end of October of 2018 and invited companies to be our first cohort of beta testers. And mm-hmm. what we were looking for is to, for them to share their feedback with us as they took it so we could refine the scorecard. But um, of the companies that returned it, we're going to be highlighting those companies and the top companies that scored the highest at Arkansas Businesses Business of the Year Awards and next month as well. And we're going to oh, be... Great. Arkansas Business is actually going to recognize one business in Arkansas that is making strides in gender equity in the workplace. Oh, that's great. That's really exciting. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time, and I, I'm glad we had this chance to catch up. It's been too long since I was able to talk to you, and um, and again, I really appreciate everything that you and your board and volunteers are doing. It's incredible, and it's really it's really just wonderful to watch. Hopefully, we can help you achieve all your goals. Thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye.